Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I'm your host, Danny Morang. And yes, I'm back. Kind of. Sort of. Maybe. I don't know. But to help me out because, uh, well, I'm not definitely not carrying anything right now. Is the friend, the homie, the good guy, Steve DeWald, associate editor for Blazers Edge. Steve, what's up, buddy? I'm here, man. We got the asbestos <laughs> out of my house. I had a I had a broken pipe during after the snowstorm, which I don't want to complain too much. There's a lot of people that dealt with a lot more. But... People still without power, as crazy as that is. Yeah, yeah. So smattering of them for those we, out there. Sorry. We won the game show. They pulled up the water damaged <laughs> floor, and we had some nice vintage '70s linoleum. Oh yeah. Which, if you're familiar with that era, everything <laughs> had asbestos in it. So, uh-huh. so we uh, we just got the dehumidifiers out of the house, industrial size mm. ones. So the good stuff. No, I, I almost missed the hum and the fans, and we still have a lot of the house tented <laughs> off right now. So it's just it's a good time around here. Welcome to uh, Blazers housewarming tips. Uh, as yep. I'm getting ready to close on the house on Wednesday, thank God. Uh, let me tell you, let me go and recommend not ever going house hunting during a pandemic. If you can avoid that at all costs, please do. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out over the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, the podcast has taken a hiatus. I mentioned it a little bit. wasn't like trying to hide from it. I just didn't really have any answers. Uh, had a bit of a health scare. Spent a couple of days in the hospital. Um, long story short, they don't know what's going on, uh, but they know what it's not now. So that's baby steps, and they're, they've got me on some stuff to – at least let me be functional and resume doing stuff like this. Uh, only thing I was doing really was the the show and then my my normal day job. And even then, shout out working from home because uh, otherwise it would have been a hell of a struggle. But thank you to everybody who reached out. I do appreciate it. Uh, but I don't want to dwell on that stuff. But again, thank you for everybody uh, who has who did reach out. And uh, we'll kind of go from there. And once I know more, I'll, I'll let other folks know. It's one of those things I don't necessarily hide that stuff. So um, again, thanks. But Blazers basketball, it's uh, it's full on panic season now, Steve. It's it's a four game losing streak, and tell me why or why I shouldn't be losing my mind. The, I'd say this: it's the six game winning streak was probably a little too too good to be true, and this four game losing streak is probably a little too bad to to take a whole lot of stock in. Oh, so a Blazers basketball season. Exactly. <laughs> the only thing that is concerning here mm-hmm. is Stotts teams are usually really good at closing out these games as we approach the all-star break. Yep. They like, And now it kind of seems like they just don't quite have the firepower to catch teams who are sleeping or, or I don't know. They just can't close these games where normally this is like the sweet spot in the calendar where the Blazers really kind of, kind of make up for a slow start in, in November, December in the typical season. So that, that is a little concerning. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I think Dame had his nuclear streak of two, three plus weeks and they won. That's kind of what it was. They, they won the games that 
they were supposed to win. They won a couple they weren't supposed to win. They, they've only dropped a, a, literally a couple that they were quote-unquote supposed to win. OKC game here, a Knicks game there, but they made those up by grabbing a few games against Philadelphia, grabbing a game against the Lakers early on. And for everybody who's like, oh, you're just happy with mediocrity. Da, 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 da. Stop before I strangle the life out of you. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is they're trying to stay afloat. And for those of you out there who are like, well, they can win any game. They can win every game. You're just trying to bail water until CJ and Nurt get back. Any game that you win at this point in time is found money. That's not me. That's not some dude out there. That's literally everybody in the NBA. That's what they will tell you is they are just fighting, scrapping, clawing, trying to get whatever they can before the all-star break, before guys start getting healthy, before guys start rounding back into shape. And as long as they're above 500, as long as they can avoid these skids, which this is one of those skids they have to find a way out of very quickly, they will be in the mix. Now, we still don't know what this team is. We're essentially, what, 30, 34 games, 35 games into the season now. We still don't know what this team is because season started, Nurk was 50% of what Nurk is supposed to be. He was out of shape physically and mentally. He's Derek and, and Covington were I, – I, honestly, I think they were scared to death when they realized how much work they were going to have to do to cover up for the guys at the point of attack and the fact that Nurk was nowhere to be found. Uh, and then you, you threw them out there with that second unit that was a train wreck. And still, they found a way to win some games. So I think that's the encouraging part of it. The scary part of it is, as you alluded to, Stotts' teams is, have usually done well enough. They, they've rode some hot shooting, and they've closed some games. And, and Dame is, has been the best clutch player in the NBA this season. I mean, it's, I, it's, I don't think it's even debatable. The, the thing about it is, is Portland has, and Dame has, quite a few clutch minutes because their margins are so thin which makes his performance even more obscene, but also that just kind of shows you again, how thin the margins are. So when you get back to it, if they've got three games before the break, Steve, what do you want to see from them over these three games against Charlotte, Golden State, Sacramento? I mean, obviously you got, I would like to see two wins out of this, but I mean, Mm -hmm. really this Hornet, this Hornets team is they're good. Yeah. And they have they have guys that are diff- that can potentially make things difficult for the Blazers, mm-hmm. and you got to beat Sacramento. You got to close that out. You got to win the games that you're supposed to win. Um, Golden State, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I just touching on one thing that really just triggered in my mind that we don't know what this team is. <laughs> is this is this is not just this year? I mean. They haven't been healthy for two years. Well, yeah, we're going into year two of not knowing what this team really is. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy that I, I'm sure this has happened with other superstars in their prime, but like, you don't, it's like, you have no idea what, how to really build a team around Dame or like, is there a trade needed or what does the trade need to be? Or what do we have to do? Or it's, it's crazy to think that they, you know, these injuries keep, it's just that setback after setback after setback. And it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily, it's like, not only does it affect the current standings, but it it affects, impacts all your long-term planning and, and really what assets you should move and what you should be doing. Now back to this season, 
I think you just want to see some of these role players go into that longer break with a little bit of confidence. Mm -hmm. And even if it doesn't end up in a win or a loss in the column, well, you'd like to see some of these guys start shooting the way they were during that winning streak, or at least close to that. A lot of that wasn't sustainable, but you'd like to see Robert Covington maybe find that middle ground and he's either between hitting everything or or missing everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really it's like, I mean, I jotted it down before the, on that six game winning streak, he was shooting 50% from the field, 45% from three in the last four losses, 25% from the field, 22% from three. I mean, it's just hot or cold. Like give me 34% and I'll call, you know, reach the amino line and I'll call it good. You know, like, it's it's been wild yeah and that's kind of what i wanted to get into here is, is take a look at the role players and as we kind of alluded to there that that, that six game winning streak every well, dame was nuclear dame was 32 basically nine and six like he was just dumb uh, the one of his best stretches of his career and it's crazy as that is is that not his best stretch of his career obviously last year uh the early january to mid-february i think best stretch of basketball trailblazers ever had um but gary trent jr nearly 20 points a game 44 percent from three anthony simons was giving you almost 14 a game on 40 percent from three Mello was shooting 40 percent from three covington was shooting 45 percent from three like it wasn't just like a guy or two it was five guys shooting 40 percent and it was on what 26, 27 threes a night. And yep. then you throw in all, Dame hitting five or six a night. <laughs> yeah. All, all considerable value during that winning st- or volume during that winning streak, five guys, not counting Dame, all shooting above 40% from the, from beyond the arc during this four game losing streak. You only have one guy on the entire team shooting above 40% during that stretch. And that's Derek Jones jr. Which it's is low volume. Is not a volume shooter yep. by any means. So it's, it's been rough these last four games. And it's, and I I think it's just kind of with some of these younger guys and guys playing in different roles, I just call it, you know, kind of welcome to the scouting report. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what it is with a lot of this. And then I think it's something that we've talked about so much on this podcast. And I think it's, and us individually is, I think we're really seeing it during the stretch is this is why it's so hard to have one dominant player. That's not above six, five really just carry a team for a super long stretch of time because, you know, Jonathan Sharks touched on it in his, in his post that, you know, ruffled a few feathers around here a couple weeks, (laughs) but it is when Dame takes the screen, he's walking right into another defender and they're trapping him. This is nothing new. Portland seen it a million times. Mm So the, the answer is, you know, avoid it, play, play, beat that guy one-on-one, but that is so physically demanding, especially when you got guys like Ben Simmons guarding Dame on a night in night out basis. Like mm-hmm. you have the team's best perimeter players. That Simmons, is- Dort. I mean, you've had some, he's yeah. had some dudes that have done phenomenal jobs on him and he still found a way. And that's, and that's that physical demanding part where mm-hmm. that, it, when we talk about why it's, so hard for a guy that is at his size to be that clear number one title winning option. This is what I'm talking about. This is what we're talking about because all those minutes, like we, I mean, already in the podcast, all those minutes add up. I mean, it's not just you get a day break and you reset. It's not a video game. Like that stuff adds up and adds up and adds up. And so I, I think we're seeing that. And I think 
It's going to be really, I, I'm not thrilled that, that they're having an all-star game <laughs> this year because I, it would be really nice to just have a little bit of break, relax with yeah. the kids and stay in Portland, you know, but. And here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll, I'll use this as a segue. Yes. Anthony Simons will also be a part of that um, all-star week. And as will Robert Covington, Robert Covington getting the nod as well as the lone HBCU member in the NBA, which I found to be a little crazy when I heard that. I was like, he's the only HBCU player in the league. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Uh, just a little a peek behind the curtain. Ant was an alternate last year. So this wasn't uh, exactly a surprise. And if anybody's, you know, seen the, the photos from a couple days ago uh, in Los Angeles with uh, Ant, Nas, and, and Derek having a little, a little high jump competition, you know, Ant's got the bunnies. Uh, he's, he's got a deep bag uh, and that's not just me gassing him up. He, he has got the goods, um, talking to Derek Jones jr. He said that, you know, he can be right there with anybody. Like you, there, there's, there's a reason why Ant has the reputation among guys that he does, even though he hasn't had a ton of in-game dunks. Um, I, I don't know if he's going to win, but I know he's going to go out there and show out. So that's going to be cool. But I want to transition. I just wanted to get that out there. Blazers are going to have a couple guys down there. Um, but more than that, talk about the young guys in general. We've talked a lot about Gary, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on Gary. He's Guess what, folks? He's good. He's starting caliber good. He doesn't have a lot of residual value outside of his three-point uh, shot-making, shot creation, additional secondary play, uh, playmaking tools, mostly for himself. Um, we've seen him take on a higher usage and still shoot the living hell out of the ball, which um, guess what? He's probably one of the five or six best three-point shooters in the league right now on volume. Like I, I know that's going to be ruffle some feathers and have a few people like he's, he's not that. But yes, he's, he's that good. Like when you look at the best shooters in the league right now, guys that are, you know, taking six, seven threes or more a game and shooting 40 plus percent, that list goes whoo real small, real fast. You get the Joe Harris's and you get the Gary Trent juniors. You get the Seth Curry's guys that are dyed in the wool book 40% plus from the, from the, from the three point line on volume. And there, that's a small list throwing the fact that he's a plus defender. And again, I, I think a lot of people, I'm going to roll that back real quick. I think a lot of people think Gary is a great defender. He's not a great defender. He's a good defender, but the difference in, um, what they have typically had there makes it look better than what it has been. So I, I think that's where it is. Um, I don't want to get too much into the, they'll keep Gary no matter what stuff, because I've hit on this so much over the last year and a half, but they're going to match that. They're not going to let Gary change when you're walking free. That's that's Shout, shout out Victor Aladipo. Turn it down. Turn it down. Get on that market. <laughs> We want more shooting guards on the market. Drive so Gary's price down. Appreciate you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Victor. <laughs> Appreciate you. Um, but Ant, Ant had a nice little breakout stretch where I think a lot of people were surprised that he could be that effective uh, as a scoring option still. So, again, Ant has had like one or two assists in a game for most of these games, but he has had – probably four or five potential assists on most nights guys have either been fouled or fumbled the ball on some incredible passes this showing his growth in that regard. And I know I'm the resident ant guy. I'm the ant homer. Da, da, da. I don't care. You can see the growth and he's, he's remarked a few times. That, yeah. Guys have owed him dinner for dropping some passes. 
Um, and so the other guys on the team are, are noticing it as well, and they're trusting him more in that regard. The same is becoming true with Nasir Little in his decision-making. Now, he's got to get by both Rodney and Mello. We'll talk on the, about them here in a little bit. But what have you seen from, from Ant and Nas, Steve, where that either promising or otherwise, you know, that makes you go, yeah, I see that, or eh, not quite ready for that? I, I think Ant – it's just, it's a level of confidence, not like we, he's always had the confidence to create his own shot. He knows he can create that separation where I've seen it more with him recently is he's really shaking his way out of foul trouble. Like he's not like that stuff added up last year. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I do think he's playing. And because of that, I think that allows you to play with your head up a lot more. And, and that's when you're starting to see the, you know, the floors opening up, the offense is slowing down. There's still, some buckle up moments on There's some record scratches. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, that's to be expected. Um, Nasir little, I think the thing I want to touch on before I really get into him is I think, you know, we get so much out of the media here in Portland, especially positive spin on a lot of stuff coming from this team. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really did buy into was how he had worked on his shooting going into the bubble. Yep. And I think, you know, obviously use of Nurkic being out for so long and Zach Collins coming back only to get hurt and some of the other and Rodney Hood's injury. The, those are the headlines. Those are on the marquee. But I think one of the more the tragic things of last year was not seeing a seer get that longer look in the bubble, because I really think that would have been a jumping off point because I really do think he has turned the corner and really started to return to that pre North Carolina potential on offense where he top could five be, prospect in the country. Yeah. He could be a three-level scorer. He could – and really, you just see it. He has all the tools athletically to do it, and he has the frame. Yeah, you so see him turn really, the corner on, on a drive, and then you're like, oh, he's, he's going to get to the rack and finish, and then he turns the corner and throws it down left-handed, and it was one of those, mm-hmm. oh, 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 okay. And then you see him confidently come off they, – they, they're running pin-downs for him. Mm-hmm. And so that lets you know the kind of the confidence they have in his shooting. And, and you and I have talked about this, obviously offline, the work that he put in, it's, it's well-documented, you know, 11,000 plus shots of the Nasir came on the podcast and was been told us exactly what he had done. Mm-hmm. The, his jump shot, let, let's just call it what it was, was broken at North Carolina. It, whatever they did to him there <laughs> was a problem like that. It's a lot like I liken it to what Milwaukee, whatever their their shooting coach did to Giannis's jumper. Like it it's it's got a hard hitch in it now, and it doesn't make any sense. They gave him the, the valgus knee and had him turn knock knee like Dirk, and it doesn't make any sense for a guy who's that fluid. Nasir went the opposite way and they went, let's get rid of all the crap. Let let's smooth this shot out. It is a two-piece lower launch angle because he had that. Aminu arc going for a while and it was bad and you could see it was one of those things where like a trebuchet when you have that much angle on it there's much more room for air now he's basically line driving it into the back of the rim and it's a lot it's more reminiscent of I'd say Dame than say Steph because I think those are two guys when you talk about three-point shooting that even though they're very good they have very different uh release points uh, Dame uh, obviously in front of his face and a line drive Steph a little bit more arc Nasir's is a little bit more of a line drive and he's getting it off quicker and in a two-piece motion and 
I don't know about you, man. When I, I know this sounds stupid and God, I, I feel like I'm being way too positive. I don't have to find somebody to crap on here in a minute. Um, when he shoots the ball, I expect it to go in. Like I, that's, that's how confident his shot looks now. Right. Well, I, I don't think you're alone here either. I think you're seeing that new shot form where he's not loading back. And it's the same thing Aminu ran into mm-hmm. is that guy is never going to beat a closeout or fool a guy who's closing out to stop him because you know, what's going to happen with that elongated motion. And now you're seeing teams that are actually closing out on this year little. And when they come there, he's got speed to get by them and the athleticism yeah. to get by them and get to the rim. And, and that's just something that, I mean, when Portland sees that, they tend to pay that guy a boatload of money. I mean, look at, look at Alan Crabb. I mean, soon to be Gary Trent Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that, that is something that, that teams pay for, for a reason, because it, it adds something so dynamic to that wing play that Portland really just has not had consistently. I mean, since, I mean, Nick Batum could do it a little bit, but you never knew what Nick was, fo- what stat Nick was fo- focused on that game. And then, and then, I mean, Wes before the injury as well. Yeah, it, it is. It's a short list, and I want to hit on some of the we, we we talked about it a little bit, and I had a lot of people hit me up last game uh, during the show, uh, and where some of these young guys could step in, and that is when teams are trapping Damian Lillard, playing a lot of four and three. I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, it's not that hard to just put the ball in somebody else's hand and make them make a decision." That's true. The flip side of this is, and this is before the uh, the fire stance, guys. If you're listening, don't worry. I've got something for you later. You. Yeah. <laughs> this is how I knew you were feeling better. By the way, <laughs> you started talking to me about fire stance people. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's it's not that it's inherently hard to make somebody else a playmaker. It's trusting them to make the right read at the right time to the right person. And there aren't a ton of those guys in the NBA. There's a reason why those playmakers make so much money. There's a reason why those guys are so valuable. Primary initiators, ball handlers are the highest paid guys in the league. Secondary initiators, shot creators are probably the second highest paid guys in the league. And that's for good reason. It's in short supply. Guys who can do that are inherently valuable and they're what allow teams to keep things going. And the, the, obviously the, the peak one of that is Draymond, who was at a 19 assist night at the end of the night, dumb as hell. Um, but on the lower level, you get guys like a, uh, Aaron Gordon, who was a guy, obviously I've, I've wanted here for a long time, but there's plenty of guys in between that, that you can run your offense through. Obviously Jokic is another one who works as both, uh, Sabonis is another guy, and that's why Nurk is so valuable. So everybody's like, well, you know, just, you know, when, when they bring, they bring a, a double uh, on a, on a trap or they, they blitz the pick and roll with Mello, just kick it to Mello. Mello has the lowest pass out rate in the entire NBA. Just let that sit for a second. Mello has the lowest pass out rate in the NBA. So teams know this. So anytime they run a fourth quarter pick and roll at 35 feet with Carmelo Anthony, they're going to blitz. They're going to trap because they don't care. Because even if Melo hits threes, they're going to well, let him die I, I with think that. One, yeah. No, no, go ahead. Running it back, running it back a little bit, it, and, and really, I want to, I want to get your opinion on this too. 
it's not that Portland hasn't tried or hasn't had at least some guys that kind of fit this mold of, of to mitigate this problem. Mm-hmm. And, and on the pot, I'll go, I'll start with the positive. One is the, the, the real tragedy, like from Portland's side, obviously it ended a really accelerated the end of the era for the Clippers, but that, that series, that first Damon CJ series that they won together without mm-hmm. LaMarcus, it, everything is just, well, the Clippers all got hurt. But that was a that was a lot closer series than people remember. Mm-hmm. And one of the key things that happened in that series was Mason Plumley became a point guard for about yeah, three games in the middle of the floor. And the stats reflect that. And that's and that was you're starting to see it now. Mason Plumley couldn't defend the rim, which was a huge problem mm-hmm. at, at the same time. So that's why Draymond guys are guys like Draymond are so special. Um, and then, I mean, really, I, the whole mindset behind the Evan Turner signing really had to, I mean, one, had to use that money. Yeah. But two, was you were, that was you were trying to address that need with that player is getting a tertiary ball handler. Because really, I mean, CJ's making strides there. But, I mean, CJ's good at make, getting his own shot and, and working CJ's a point guard when, there's, when he's the lead ball handler. That's, exactly. that's when he's, he's, he's Kemba Walker in that regard. Like Kemba's a good table setter, floor leader, playmaker when there's not additional ball handlers on the floor. CJ is the same way, but, and it's not like CJ's a bad decision maker. It's just that he's, his first like three options are get shots. And we've mm-hmm. seen uh, during that winning streak for Portland with, with Dame, more double digit assist games in a row than he's had in his career. Like he was just carving defenses up. And a lot of that was because, and Here's where the, the fire starts crowd. You look stupid. Dame is getting assists because he's beating that trap and getting the ball to the other side. And they're not making a play. They're not keeping the offense going. They're knocking down the shot because that's what this team has. They have shot takers. Carmelo Anthony is a shot taker, not a playmaker. Gary Trent Jr. is a shot taker, not a playmaker. Anthony Simons is a shot taker, not a playmaker. Rodney Hood is a shot taker, not a playmaker. So you go up and down the list of guys that they have down there. The one guy who has probably tried to do it more outside of his game than anybody else has been Ennis Cantor. And you can see the wheels turn and when he catches on the short roll, but it's not a natural instinct for him. You can, you can see like he, every ounce of his being wants to catch on the roll and go right to the rim or go into a drop step, into a spin move, into a pump fake. But you can be like, oh, hey, Derek's wide open. And they've done a great job of this recently, finding Derek Jones Jr. running on the dunker spot. And that's where he's looked really good. But beyond that, the only other guy that they've got is Covington. And remember one at the beginning of the season, they had Covington. And one of the first things that I said about how much I liked his fit had nothing to do with his defense, had nothing to do with his shooting. It was the quick and decisive decision-making. And I don't know what happened. I, maybe it was the injuries, not knowing where to go or where to feel or how they've changed things around. But it's not like he just stopped making good decisions. They just stopped putting in positions to make those decisions. And that's the one where I question, why are they running so many pick and rolls with Mello and Cantor and not as many with Covington? Is it because he's not a, a great screener? He's actually good. I, like, again, I'm just more at throwing this out there. Like when you look at that, what what do you think is happening there, or do you think it's better for them to 
that's they know that they can't get Carmelo involved any other way, so they put him in the pick and roll because they can use Covington on the backside. I mean, what, what's your takeaway from it? I think there's a lot with as far as Covington with the amount of energy he's having to expend on the defensive end to try to cover up holes. I think it's probably, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I, I, I don't it's think it's a goofy special. cartoon when he's got a finger and a toe and, and, and all the different holes. That's kind of how I picture coming. Yeah, most yeah. Times. so I don't think that's the full picture, but I think that's definitely a part of it. Um, Matters. Also, I at least at the start of the year, there was this idea that he was going to be a somewhat 35% consistent three point shooter, and, and defenses responded to him that way. And then after a month long cold streak, teams backed off of him and that and that decision making of the one catch one dribble make the decision that becomes less effective when your defender is five feet away from you and and getting into those passing lanes and you've got Cantor in the middle of the floor because he can't be anywhere else it can't be Covington working in the middle of the floor Mm. the only time I think I I think I'd like to see Stotts change this up is when they do especially right now with with Giles out is when they kind of run that quasi Covington at the five, but hide mellow there defensively lineup. I think that's probably the time to go for it, but uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I mean, just to put a button on the, on one of our previous points with this, when you guys have, when, when, when a team has a bunch of shots, shot takers and shot makers, and they're not making the shots, <laughs> that utility disappears quick. Like, and this is what it is. Dame gets trapped. You kick it off to a guy who's not hitting outside shots. And what does he do from there? So. And it, I'm and glad it, you're coming around to go, let's trade for Kyle Anderson. Let's let's do it. Listen, <laughs> I, I'm not against that in on principle because he's a, he is a good he's 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 this generation's Boris Diaw without being nearly as cool. Um, he's just as slow and unathletic as far as explosiveness goes, but he reads the floor incredibly well. But yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not opposed to that kind of move. Again, I'm, there's a reason why I've leaned on Aaron Gordon so so much because he gives you the lack of that or the total athleticism that Anderson lacks while being much better with the ball as far as in, in, in those isolation uh, periods where if he does catch, he can shoot, he can attack off the bounce, and he can finish at the rim because, God, Portland is atrocious finishing in the rim right now. They are not only not getting there, they're not finishing when they get there. And it's just compounding issues because when you can't hit threes and you can't hit inside, honestly, I was surprised that they didn't get absolutely throttled like they did against Phoenix more often because mm-hmm. the, the, the shooting has been so good. All right. We're going to play a little game right now. This is going to make for great podcasting. I'm certain of it. Not in any way, shape, matter, or form. Is this going to be bad? But we're going to go quick and you have, you have to go quickly. No hedging. I will give you whether it's home or road. We're going to take a look at the second half schedule right now. And you don't get to count in your head because I'm going to keep you going. So what I want you to do is just t- tell me win or loss when we go. Um, home at the Suns. Loss. Okay. Uh, at Minnesota. Mm, win. At Minnesota again, a back-to-back. Win. Uh, at home, Pelicans. Loss. Okay. At home, Pelicans day off. Oh, I like it. Come back. We'll get a win. We'll split the series. Okay. Get another series with Dallas at home. Uh, split it. Win loss. Okay. Brooklyn at home. 
Uh, loss. Okay. On the road, Miami. Loss. On the road, Magic. And I'll on a back to back. I'll also I'll say win. On the road, Toronto. So still in Florida. Um, <laughs> we'll say win. On the road, Detroit to wrap that trip up. Uh, win. Okay. At home, Milwaukee. Loss. At home, OKC. Win. Back to back. Well, I'll say I'll stay. I'll say win. Okay. I'll stick with it. At Clippers. A couple days off. I'll say win. Oh, and then day off. Then at Utah. Loss. Home against Detroit. Win. Back to back Miami. Uh, loss. Uh, wrap up that homestand against Boston. Uh, Boston's gonna figure it out by then. I'll say loss. Okay. Uh, at San Antonio. Win. Then a short little trip at uh, Charlotte. Win. Okay. Back home for the Clippers. Loss. Back to back with the Nuggets. Loss. Get Grizzlies series at home. Uh, split it. Okay. Uh, then this this is the brutal road trip. At Pacers. Loss. At Grizz back to back. Probably a loss. At Brooklyn. Loss. At Boston. Uh, win. They got to win one in there. Okay, back-to-back in Atlanta. I'll just say loss because that Boston one's probably a loss. <laughs> Wrap up the trip in Cleveland. Uh, win. Okay, come home for the Lakers. Mm, that late in the season, I'll say win. Back-to-back with the Spurs. Win. Day off, Houston. Win. At Utah. Loss. Back-to-back at Phoenix. Loss. Close the season with Denver at home. Oh, Nurk's back, baby. Have, uh-huh. a, nice, have a nice summer. Win. <laughs> Literally every single person that I have done this with has said the same thing, even the Denver guys. <laughs> they fully expect that game to go Portland's way. Okay, Steve, how many do you think you got? Uh, 12. 12 wins. Nine, nine, ten. I'm not good at count. This is why I'm not an accountant. Nineteen. Oh, hey. I I just so sun you must went have been shining today. So you went nineteen and eighteen down the stretch. I went my first run through just looking at it because I I don't think Nurk is. Uh, going to be back for a couple weeks after the break. And I don't think CJ is going to be back for a week or two after the break. Mm-hmm. I went with I, my first run and this, this pissed Chad doing off. It was great. Uh, I came at 15 and I go probably going to be 18 just with some coin toss games. So go 18 and 19, but yeah, there's 10 back to backs on this schedule. There's a game every other day and there aren't many cupcakes. Like, uh- you, that you, late you, April, that late April road trip is brutal. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah, you end with Atlanta, Cleveland, but Pacers, Grizzlies, Nets, Celtics is that's four teams that I mean, the Pacers and Grizzlies, they they grind you into dust. Mm-hmm. And to start out a trip like that, it's just like, oh God, and it's a back to back. Mm-hmm. And again, you know what? I think I think Boston's going to have a lot to play for down the stretch, and they have the talent. They just got to figure it out. And, and they got 
and they got that trade exception. I think they're one of the teams. They'll, that they'll find back. some way to, they'll sucker somebody into taking Kemba's deal too. How much you want to bet? Ooh, I don't know. I might, I might, do, we might talk offline. I might take a bet on that because <laughs> I don't. That's, that's, that's yeah. That's you're gonna have to make up for uh, for owing me for the rookie of the year one. Ah, oh, why? Well, hey, I'm gonna hit six man of the year. Do you want? I actually, I looked at these today, mm-hmm. and we can do a quick comparison. But we have we have some real doozies on there. So I think my MVP is toast. So my MVP pick was Anthony Davis. Yeah, you're done. Yours was Luca. So Luca. you're still alive. Yep. Rookie of the year. This is where it gets real ugly for me. Killian Hayes. Yeah, I took Cole. Yeah, no, I took Cole oh. because I, I thought that he would get some serious burn in Orlando. So then I and then I say we're so Wendell Carter Jr. for my most improved player, probably not gonna win it, but theoretically still alive. He's he's in the running, sure. Yeah. You have Michael Porter Jr. who can't stay out of the headlines for the, all the wrong the, reasons. Yeah. Six man of the year, Jordan Clarkston is was my pick. That he's winning that. That's yeah. I think I that's like probably the, I, that's probably the award right now that's most wrapped up. Yeah, he's, you had Tyler. You had Tyler Harrow. Yeah, that's the heat struggling. That's not yeah. not happening. Then I think I'm still alive with Coach of the Year, Doc Rivers. I mean, number one in the East. I mean, it's not the sexiest storyline. No, I mean, but the, and a new coach that that certainly matters. And this is where it gets kind of ugly. Mike Malone for you, which that's not a, that's a tough look right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, that is. So and I think the, and the messed up thing was, as I was deciding between Malone and Snyder, ugh. I, I was yeah. like, who's well, basically my, my thought process was Porter Jr. was going to be, was going to pop and the Nuggets mm. are going to get like a on pace for like a 58, 60 win season in a short season. Um, I didn't think the jazz would be this good. Like they're dumb. Good. It's let's give the jazz their props right now. They are, they are incredibly good. They are, they are a no BS title contending team. And they are super fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Like they just, how they leverage that offense. And every, if you watch them, everybody on off on their offense, off ball gets a head start for their movements. And that's how they overcome their lack of athleticism. You have guys that are moving well ahead of that action at a high rate of speed. And that's how they overcome all that. And they, all of them know where each other are right now. And it's, it's really fun to watch. It's amazing what happens when you've got like five guys on the floor who can all, you know, dribble, pass and shoot. It's Mm -hmm. almost like, you know, personnel matters. Uh, (laughs) And with that, I'm going to jump into the fire shots crowd here. And um, these, these folks that seem to think that, um, I, I think Terry Stoss is the, the finest thing since sliced bread. Um, normally, I don't want to address this stuff because it's not worth taking the time to deal with people who have their head buried in the sand. Um, but it's, it's kind of ridiculous because it's, here's the thing. It's always personnel driven. You can talk to any coach. You can talk to any player. They're all going to tell you the same thing. The only thing a coach does is decide for the most part how many minutes a guy's play play and how, who he plays with. And even then, as when we had Seth partner on the show, he alluded to um, there's certain goals in the organization that ownership has, that a GM has, that a coach has, that a player has, that an agent has that dictate those things. And as much as you want to seem like things are black and white, they are. Um, and Terry Stotts is not infallible, not by any way, shape, matter, form. Uh, I don't want to see Rodney Hood on the floor right now. I I legitimately do not want to see that. Uh, 
Um, he's a shell of himself by nearly every metric, advanced eye test otherwise. He is, if not the worst, one of the worst performing players in the league right now. He is showing bursts of his former self, but I, I don't think there's a way that he gets like all of a sudden in March, he's fine and he's able to be a contributing player. Do, do you think he gets there? No, it's, it's, it's been, I mean, and I it's don't a bummer. Think- uh, yeah, I don't want to anyone to get because I know this is not the case when we talk about it. You're not reveling in the fact that he's no. struggling. Like it's 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 a real bummer, but this is the risk you run with that type of injury. And I think some players are recently we've kind of become numb to it because we've had there's been some success stories of yeah, Katie looking back. exactly the same is or, not or normal. No- or Nawamba looking like he's somehow more athletic than he was pre Achilles. Yeah. So it's 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 a bummer, but I, I, I feel like the, the problems he is having right now look like how you address them by changing position or fundamentally how you play basketball. And like, that's becoming a post player because you don't have the mobility to be a, a perimeter player anymore. Cause he, he can't get by anybody. That, that, no. That's the thing. He's, he, he, he can't get by anybody and he can't stay in front of anybody. And you see when he all of a sudden he feels good, you know, use air quotes, he feels good. Like all of a sudden you see him like he took off for that dunk the other night. And I was like, where the hell did that come from? Because I just saw him three possessions before unable to flip his hips and get downhill to stay with somebody. Like it was like you could see it just it it wasn't working. But they're in a position where I don't think you can rely and give him 20 minutes a night and then look at the stat sheet and go, why the hell did Ant and Nas get, you know, eight and four, five minutes? Like that just, Hood and Melo can't be getting those minutes if they're not contributing. If you're going to give minutes to a guy who's not contributing, give it to the young guys and let them use it as a learning experience. Because giving it to those, to the older guys, it's not learning anything. Only thing you're getting is negative production. If you're going to throw the, if you're, if you're going to have minutes where you're, you're, you're losing those minutes, gain something in, the, in losing those minutes. And again, it, this is me saying, Stotts, I, I, I want him to do that. I, I don't like him doing that. It's for all of the fire Stotts crowds out there, there's a criticism. Crawl back under your bridge and stay there. And the thing is a, a, about the, the whole Stotts thing, I want this team to be good. I want it to be great. I want it to actually compete when it matters. I do not care about where they are right now in the regular season because I don't think this personnel is anywhere close to a title contending team. And so I'm not going to sit here and rail on, oh my God, they could have done this. Oh, they could have done that. And it's not settling for mediocrity. That's acknowledging the fact that this team has a hard cap ceiling that they're not going to get by with coaching. Like you could throw Spolster, you could throw Pop, you could throw whoever the hell you, Quinn Snyder, you could throw whoever the hell you want on this team to coach this team. And you might get better. You might tighten the screws down on one thing. You, you may run a, a better offense. You may run a better defense. But it's not fundamentally changing the ceiling. So, like, what, what are we doing here? I mean, you're, you're basically making the argument that you're not trying to fix your side mirror when your windshield's broken out of your car. So Yes. <laughs> like, that's I, – I get it. I, I think there's – there's some things with the, and I'll just be devil's advocate here with the mellow thing with, with trying to, if you're going to lose those minutes, I see what you're saying. If you're going to lose those minutes, give them to the young guys, 
but also I think there is this theme and and, and storyline coming out of the organization where honoring Melo's legacy and giving him minutes is it, it has value even if those are lost minutes and we'll see like I said devil's advocate here this is not so the much. line of this is not the line of thinking I necessarily buy into but th- that is the mindset and, and yeah, it is and that is if you know if they get DeMarcus Cousins it might be because they gave Carmelo Anthony a cushy landing and and so there is other ways to drum up value than just developmentally now granted you're talking to the draft guy you're talking to the guy who's mainly focused on young players so i i definitely am playing devil's advocate with this argument but i i, I do think it should be mentioned obviously but of course I, of it's course just you would. i i touching touching on one of your points is i i have not seen anything from this team even when they were rocking and rolling that made me think that this is a team that is a lock to get out of a seven game series against a legit title contender because this team you can see it in this four game losing streak is when teams really focus and follow the scouting report and take the ball out of dame's hands the same problems are there and until they find a way to fundamentally address that with this roster you there's no coaching that's going to overcome that hurdle I, I, as, as far as what I see, they right can now. soften the landing. They can, they mm. can certainly change, change some things and soften the landing as far as like their shortcomings. But it's the difference between them getting a game in the series and getting swept. And that, that's, that's not, that's not enough for me. And I, and I, I just, I'm not going to get caught on that. But what I will say is, you, great segue there as far as uh, the earning the cachet with signing guys. Because I got a couple questions here in on Twitter. I uh, think you guys are getting this in. Um, real quick, want to get through these and then we'll kind of get out of here. Um, from Spencer's pool, do you think it's still in the place of best just to look at another rotation big? I'm thinking someone with defensive acumen like John Henson. Um, sure, like how do you convince John to be here? I guess I don't, I don't know. Like, they, they need a big, uh. I don't know if they're going to use it on that spot. Uh, from what I understand, they're keeping that actual roster spot open to do kind of like a two for one type deal or two for two, and then go sign somebody once they know where the money lands, they're avoiding the repeater penalty. That's what they're doing. Like that's, they do not want to sit there and hit and, and hold on to that tax bill at the end of the season, because it's not just like the whole, uh, the billionaires need to pay more stuff. It's, the the provisions that that require them to pay exponentially more for guys going forward and so that opportunity cost becomes significantly more so they're going to be smart about it and i get it um but they're also probably not going to go use that two-way on a guy but what what do you think i mean i know you're out here blowing the bugle for 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 moses brown hey how don't don't steal my thunder (laughs) Uh, i mean i mean i agree let's cut Jody a break on the tax bill. She's dealing with the whole Russell Wilson thing right now. So let's (laughs) let's just, let's make her life as easy as possible. Um, But I, my thing is the two way, because it doesn't affect the cap. Yeah. And and at this point, I mean, it's not like, and when I say use the two way slot, I'm not saying this guy's going to come in and fix all the problems. I'm saying you are going to have a body that is over six foot nine in your on but your isn't going to get housed by Robin Lopez. 
Yeah. And even if he does, he can at least give you five to eight minutes and yeah. maybe bail enough water. And, and that's just, I, that, that would be my, I would like them to use that two way. I, I, I mean, it's been pretty much telegraphed what they're going to do with that open roster spot. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. It is either to pull a two for one trade, or if they do not see something they like in the trade market, they will, you know, hopefully attract somebody in the buyout market, which we were talking about before we recorded this trade, this trade deadline is not like your typical trade deadline. A lot of buyers, a lot of buyers, a lot of teams that are sniffing the playoffs for the first time in a long time. I mean, you have people in the streets of New York celebrating 17 and 17. So I, it's different. And, and if that's, and if Charlotte, New York, Phoenix, Memphis, like you've got these, there's one seller right now that you can really say this team's probably going to sell some assets and that's the Orlando magic, but that's because everybody's hurt. Exactly. But I just, so this, that, that has a domino effect with the buyout market because if teams, especially these top tier contending teams that have a clear defined role of a guy that, Hey, we could really use a buyout guy to play eight minutes here. That is probably going to beat Portland's offer, especially if it's in a state like Florida or Texas, where I mean, I've rallied about the luxury tax or the tax, uh, Oregon state income tax time and time again here. That does factor into the decisions these guys make, especially when you're talking about that money. Now, if they're Mm -hmm. a buyout, they're probably just got a lump check, but still that factors in, especially when you're looking at the tail end of your earning potential as a professional player. This idea that they're going to get someone on the buyout market, people need to start adjusting their expectations now. Now, what would pull is down that pecking order because the LA's of the world, the Milwaukee's, the Brooklyn's, the, 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 the more prestigious teams that have been more successful or have more cachet nas- nationally are going to get those guys first. Well, if you're looking at a big man, the, uh, theoretically, a big man could sign with Brooklyn, play a significant role on a team that is a legit title contender. Or you can come to Portland, depending on how fast Yusuf Nurkic comes back, you could be the third big man in a ro- team that has a decent chance of getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Like, so at this point you kind of have to go, okay, I'm what, what sounds better here, but I, I don't know. That's the thing. Portland doesn't have the, the opportunity with, with these buyout guys to be like, unless it's like a no doubt buyout guy where you're like, we'll go back to Ennis Cantor and, and him coming to Portland, he was guaranteed 20 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. That's before Nurk went down. They told him all the backup five minutes, they are yours, big fella. He was gone. He was going to Boston. And lo and behold, he ended up in Boston after that season. They, he came here because Portland had a big need at the back of five. And yep. they could guarantee minutes. And they were a team that was trending upwards. And so Cantor comes here. And thankfully he did because obviously Nurk got hurt right after that. And he got big time minutes. And so Portland doesn't really have that right now. Like if you look up and down the roster, even though they're beat up, who are you going to sign as a buyout that you're going to play at the three over or at the two? you know, uh, over um, Gary Trent Jr. And you already have shown that you were going to give minutes to Ant. And this whole idea of like, they should go sign a buyout point guard for five minutes a night at your deepest position. No. At the three, 
sure if there was a buyout like if nick batum was on the buyout market i'd be and they, they need in three four help yeah i'd take him in a heartbeat but again is he gonna sign here and that's that's the thing i think why i had a bunch of people like why would you be interested in in demarcus cousins or blake griffin i'm like if my 15th dude is blake griffin or demarcus cousins and i can throw a guy out there who can work in the short role hello yeah yeah, that's I'm gonna take a chance on that guy, because even again, if it's only for five minutes, you've got somebody out there over six eight who can give you NBA IQ, NBA execution, even if they're washed. Because why? It's your fifteenth guy, and they're free. Like there's there's no consequence. It's that, or you're trying to play a a forward at the five and you're getting housed on the glass. Like, if those are their options, I would rather them have that guy and not play than not have that guy and not have the even option to go to it. It's not like I'm out here, like, in the streets of the picket sign, bring Blake to Portland. Like, no. His knees are shot, but you put him in a pick and roll, I trust Blake Griffin to make a play more than I do probably anybody on this roster, not named Yusuf Nurkic. Like, do you like, is there anybody oh, else mean, that you trust more? There's a reason why I wrote the Blake Griffin post like a day after they sat him. Like I, I get it. I, I, I mean, yes, you're not, you're not signing Blake Griffin to guard the most athletic stretch fours in the NBA and fly above the rim and dunk. You're asking him to make smart decisions and play within himself on a winning team. And and that's what you want. That's what you're aiming for. Like for eight sign. minutes. Yep. Like again, you're you're not asking for because if he gets bought out, which I've heard as crazy as that is, he it might actually happen. You're gonna get him for the league minimum. Yep. So go with God at that point. But they will have exhausted all options before they even get there. Um, this is from Colin Pettit or Petit. I'm sorry, I don't know which way you go with it. Have you heard anything on the trade front for us? Feels like this team could use a consolidation type trade, although our best trade asset may be Trent and losing him would be something it cut off there. Losing would be tough. Okay, real quick on the Gary Trent Jr. because I've already kept you way too damn long. Gary's not going anywhere. And if he does, Portland will get something for him. I'll just, they, they paid Alan Crabb 17 million. And everybody's like, well, it's a new owner. I don't care. They paid Alan Crabb 17 million. Keep that in your head. They are not going to let Gary Trent Jr. walk. They will match and they will look to flip him or they will work him in a sign and trade or if they know there is a 0% chance of anything happening, they will find a way to flip him for another rookie deal at the trade deadline. Gary Trent Jr. is not going anywhere for free. He, they will get something for him. Period, point blank. Consolidation trade. I'm of the mindset that Hood is definitely on the block. He's essentially working as at a 10 plus million dollar expiring contract. Shout out teams like Orlando who may be trying to clear their books and completely restart. That's that definitely a team that I'm looking at. I would love John Collins in Portland. I don't think that that's in the cards. I don't think a package of Gary, Zach, something is going to be enough to get John to Portland. I would love it because he's going to get paid. And to be honest, he's going to be worth it because he's going to be a 2010 guy who's 50, 40, 80. Like, mm-hmm. but 
I don't expect Portland to do anything crazy, but I do expect them to make a move. Uh, I do expect a shuffling of deck chairs. If for nothing else, they need contracts with years on them. That's the big thing is they don't have those going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you- no, I, I no no arguments here. I mean, I did, this trade season's quiet, and I think we know what we have, and now is not the time to trade Gary Trent Jr. I mean, like you said, Gary Trent Jr. is going to get paid. He's He's scoring – Five point. I mean, this is a week old, so I'd have to look, but he's scoring significantly more points per game and shooting better. He's more efficient. I mean, Alan Crabb got a 70, $75 million, $80 million deal shooting 39% from three and 10 points per game that year before he got the extension. I mean, Gary's going to get paid. It's going to be between 18 and 20. That's, that's the latest that I've heard. So um, real quick, a couple more here. CJ from Middleton, who says no? That's from Conrad. Uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee says no. <laughs> yes. Uh, the one thing that CJ does better than Middleton is um, shot creation. Middleton is better at pretty much everything else. Bigger, stronger, more athletic, more versatile. Maybe a better overall shooter. CJ's better in the mid-range. Um but CJ also has him by leaps and bounds as a shot creator. So, um, but I, Milwaukee definitely says no. Um, from Krill, could Trevor Reese be the savior once again? He could get the hood minutes. He's pretty good with the Blazers last season. If the Blazers are hinging on Trevor Reese, they're already lost. Uh, that and the fact that I'm almost certain that they can't reacquire him. Hot pre-podcast talk of Zildjunas Zilgauskas. <laughs> You're trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to double check it, but I'm almost certain that they can't reacquire uh, Ariza as it stands right now. But um, even then, I, I just, I'd rather if you're gonna do it, I'd rather see uh, Nas in that position. Like I just, mm-hmm. Ariza is not the difference between you winning and losing a series. So go with the younger guy and see what you can get. Uh, and last one here from Rick's Barber. Uh, a calf strain didn't sound too serious, but it's been a long recovery for Giles. Anyone know an ETA? Well, I, I, this is where I should add the sound effects because you've just stumbled into Blazers injury timeline bingo. No ETA. No timeline for a calf strain. All right, cool. Uh, if you guys remember, good old Scal, the Haitian sensation, uh, had a sore knee and then had a surgery that was so dramatic that has kept him out of the NBA since then. So uh, as it pertains to the Blazers and injury reports and timelines, don't trust them. I mean, I don't want to be as sensational as that is right now. Like, I mean, we don't know what, what Giles is. I mean, what you hope what you hope it is isn't that we initially thought it was when he went down. We all thought it was an Achilles. We hope it's not a sore Achilles or, yeah. or something there. Um, real quick on CJ, real quick thing to read between the lines. When he <laughs> speaks to the media, he tells you when he's coming back. Yeah. So on the jump the other day, he said three things that you need to pay attention to. One is I'm going to come back when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Two, I've been working on strength and stability. And mm-hmm. three, this is my third foot fracture. That is the key of I am not going to be back next week. So just bingo. They're going to, these, the players will subtly tell you when they expect to be back most of the time. Who do you think comes back first, Nurk or CJ? This is not going to be a pot. This is not going to be a fun take for people, but I think, I think Nurk will probably be back before CJ. Yep. 
Yep. That's a, that's a fun one. I've had, I've talked to a few people about over the last couple of weeks and uh, I, I genuinely don't think CJ will be back for probably at least two or three weeks after the break. I think it's, I think we're almost a month away still. So, I mean, at least with Nurk, I mean, he's on his feet and he can come back with, you know, some form of uh, a soft cast or, or something along the line. It's going to let him yeah. get back on the floor. Yeah. It's, it's it, at that point in time, as long as it's not detrimental, if it's sore, if it's stiff, he can play through some stuff. CJ is in entering the, the prime of his career. There is a near 0% chance that he is going to come back early. And he should. So um, I think that pretty much covers it all. I'm sure we, we, we probably lost a lot of people when I had the uh, win or loss game, but I hope everybody else played along and um, came up with their own numbers. If, if, if you came up with um, – something different than Steve or I, uh, I was at 18. He was at 19. Shoot us a note. Let us know, put it in the comments. I'm sure if you're actually listening to the podcast and not just going straight to the comment sections, you monsters. Uh... <laughs> yep. Oh, we got, we got a little kid here. Oh, do we? <laughs> yep. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we All go. right. It's that time. It's that time, which is perfect. Cause I was just wrapping right now. Uh, thanks for hopping on Steve. I do appreciate it. Um, Cause Lord knows I wasn't going to be able to carry this thing by myself yet. Yeah, it's uh, good to have you back Dan. Yeah. Well be careful what you wish for. Uh, <laughs> let everybody know what you're working on, what, where they can find you, what's going on. Um, Really. It's just, I'll, I'll have a little something for the all-star break, kind of looking at the first half of the season. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Steve D hoops and I'll come up with about 10 different things before then. So <laughs> Just check out Blazers Edge regularly, and you'll you'll see my byline there. All right, sounds good. Thanks for hopping on, man. As always, please like, rate, review, subscribe, do all of the things. I really got to start doing this, you know, in the beginning of the podcast, but here I am. Uh, you can find me on social media across all sites at Danny Maring, at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G, following every Blazer game on NBC Sports Northwest with my buddy and best friend, Joe Simons, uh, on Blazers Outsiders. Uh, until then, thank you, guys. Uh, appreciate you and send all the love, all the hate, and especially all the love for Baby DeWald here. And we'll catch you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye. I don't play. I got walls. I got God.